Kia ora. This is Karen Hovid, Local History Librarian, Pukekohe Library. Drawing on Auckland Library's Heritage Collection and Franklin Local History, we share images and voices from the neighbourhood. Our exhibition, I o Tato Hapuri, The Voices and the People of Our Neighbourhood, is on at Franklin the Centre in the Public Gallery for the month of August. In this clip you will hear from people in our community, past and present, sharing their memories of Franklin. Pukekohe and the wider district is best known for its rich soils for growing and agriculture. In these clips we hear voices of experience related to the business of farming and market gardening. In the first track we hear John Johns, recorded in 1961, talking about changes in agriculture from farming and growing grains to vegetable market gardening. Well, in the, when we went there first in the early days, uh, there wasn't much of a uh, vegetable growing, not like it uh, increased afterwards. You were cows. Father, father milked cows and sheep. Never grew any uh, oats, grew oats and, uh, and uh, wheat. But never grew any potatoes. Never grew any potatoes. The oats and wheat, the oats was for fodder and the wheat was for flour, I suppose. Had you didn't you use the mill? Can you remember using Pilgrim's Mill? Yes. You used to take it to Pilgrim's Mill and have it ground. That's right. And then carry the flour home. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What did you do with the straw? <laughs> What's that? What did you do with the straw? Oh, uh, bedding and that sort of thing, or mix it with the oats sometimes. People wanted the, the chaff. That's right. Went through the chaff because I loved it. Also recorded in 1961, Leslie Smead explains the art and desirability of making stacks of hay and the changes in demand from growing horse feed to the use of the land for vegetable growing. Stack building was a skilled job. My father used to wear out the knees and the front of the legs of his trousers each summer stack building. The main rule in building was to make the centre of the stack about three feet higher than the edges and maintain it as such till the finish. When finished, it stood on a small bottom, was wide at the eaves and had a good slope on the roof and every sheaf was packed in tight. From such a stack, one could expect the chaff of grain to be of that lovely golden colour that was so desirable. The time it stood in the stack was largely governed by the price. As horses were used less, the demand fell off of south. So some farmers took to growing a small area of potatoes. It was an opportunity to use the family labour. In this 2015 recorded interview, Pritam Sitton describes his days on the family farm and the changes from hand-picking cabbages, potatoes and onions and the role of farm labour to the development of agricultural machinery. Uh, Pritam, you were talking about the farm, the days in the farm. Tell me um, about um, those farming days with Dad. Well, in the early 50s, like Dad used to grow cabbage, collies, onions, lettuce, and it's always done planted by hand. So how many workers did you have? 
Well, that time he had about about fifteen. And who are who were they? Were they local? All marries. All marries. Yeah, yeah. All marries, and like uh, cabbage would be planted with hand, uh, onions would be planted by hand, um, lettuce. Lettuce was used to be drilled with a drilling machine, and um, onion ca and onion cabbage. Coddy was planted by hand. You'd mark a row. They used to make a wooden marker and they used to drag it along and the Maoris would, with a trowel, open the ground, plant the plant and one foot, push it down. Push it down and then um, that's how it was done. Then after that, once the, it was planted, we had to water it. And the only way we could water it at that time was to cart water, and then uh, I was it easy to cart water? Was it like a even ground, or it was very healthy? No, no. What we used to do, we used to have a trailer with two four hundred gallon tanks, and we used to go either to a tap or somewhere and fill the four hundred gallon tanks up, and then tractor and trailer would bring it to the field and there'd be hoses running from the tanks, and then you'd have about three, three people, one on this side, one on that side, one behind, and then uh, you just water it as it goes, like you drive the tractor and the trailer along very, very slowly, and you used to water each plant, you know, like that. And that was done for quite a, like, quite a bit of it. And then, um, and then that was in the 50s, and then as it got close to the 50s, uh, the late 50s, sorry, irrigation started to come in. And the irrigation was, you only had a few sprinklers here, and you had to sit up there on the, on the field there, one corner of the field there, and then water one piece, and then shift it along and water another piece, shift it along and water another piece. Because that, at that time, in the 50s, that time, a person would have about 60 acres. And in the 60 acres, you know, you'd, you'd plant about uh, four acres at the most. And then once the four acres used to grow, you'd plant another three acres. And once the three acres would grow, then you'd plant another two acres. And gradually you just step by step. And when, once that grew up to get get ready to be cut, we'd harvest that the first plot and then the second plot and the third plot. So it sort of was in stages. Not like nowadays where you have one, like a uh, hundred acres of cabbage or a hundred acres of collie and you have big irrigations and Nothing like that at all. And it was all hand job. An all hand job. And um, then the task of cutting it and putting it in boxes, it used to, you used to do it whether it was a fine day, whether it was a cold, frosty day, or whether it was a hail day.
you'd go out there, cut it. I remember times there, our gumboots would be covered with water right down to here. We'd cut it and then you couldn't get a tractor or a trailer or even a truck to come there to pick it up. We had to all hand do it. It was all hand carried out to the road and then from there hand lifted onto the truck, stacked onto the truck. And um, that's how it was really done, all, all by hand. And we, sometimes we used to carry, like potatoes, when we used to harvest potatoes, we used to have a <coughs> dad's time, not my time, but dad's time. It was all done by horse. Yeah. And it's all planted by hand. And then when it came to the digging part, they used to use a fork to dig the, some of the potatoes. Then they used to come in with a sort of a plough and turn the soil around. And there was all, the woman would come up, the married woman would come up with sacks, a belt around the waist there, and then pick it up and fill the bags. They were sugar bags, the 20 kg bags. And then uh, the same thing there, they had to sew it all by hand and then carry it all out towards, towards the road. It was wet and then load it onto the truck and then be delivered to wherever it was disposed to. So how many kgs of roughly would, of potatoes you would think annually you would grow or your father each herd? I grew this many. Oh, he'd grow about. This is in the early days, about five <coughs> acres. About five acres. Five to ten acres he'd grow that time. But the, it'd be grown in certain. Because in, in the 40s, it was grown. You couldn't grow in a big lot, it was grown in a small lot. Because it was all hand done, and there was no machinery, there was no, no, um, nothing else you can do. It was all horse, horse and plough. I still remember it myself, at uh, doing work with the horses, and that's how it was done. And as you become a young man and you started, what? Changes did you make? Did you mechanize it more, or what did you do with it? Yes, I did. Uh, <clears throat> I started building machines. I went about in the late fifties, as I got into the sixties. In the sixties, yeah, I started building machinery myself, like um, onion harvesters and uh, and uh, sprayers, and uh, that's what Dad wanted. He said, son, he said, uh, we've got the workers here. Now I want you to get in, if you can, build, start building the machinery and stuff. And that's what I got into. And I started from scratch. I didn't actually go into school about it. I just, my own mind, saw a, a harvester in a paddock there, looked at it, got a pen and paper, just scribbled a little piece like that, and then uh, came back to the to the shed and then uh, looked at it, drew a little plan, a bit more plan on it. 
Older. Then that's how I built our. So did that increase the production with your? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That then we went up to. Uh, we started uh, harvesting like it was five acres. You you you're harvesting. Um, oh, up to a hundred acres. Mm, that's how. That's how it went up to, a hundred acres, and um, and then like I said before, it was. Uh, that's the side I was mostly involved in. I went out from the garden side. I went more into the machinery side, and then um, and mechanical work too. Was all by knowledge. Just uh, I, you know, I just worked it out. I just sort of uh, in my own mind, picture pictured how a motor worked, how a gearbox worked, how a diff worked on a truck. And then, uh, then there was an old one old truck, a Ford, Dad had, and it was just parked on the side of the shed there, far side of the shed. And I, I said to myself, let's strip it, strip it, and build it back together again. And that's what I did. Wow. Pulled it all apart, and put it back together, and got it going. And then that was the first thing. And then from there. I started going on with the big stuff. Tractors, we had about nine, nine, ten tractors. And then the same thing, the tractor would break down. I'd have to go out in the field, have a look at it. If it was repairable, repair it there. Otherwise, we'd have, we'd have bring it back to the shed. And then I, I worked on it, diff, do the diff, gearbox, motor, do the whole work, and get it back to work again. In 2014, Una and Yen Lim were recorded for the Chinese New Zealand Oral History Foundation Chinese Market Gardeners of Pukekohe Project. In this clip, we hear about what was grown by the family, taking the produce to market and seasons for different vegetables. What do you call, uh, what's our main cash crop? Huh? Is there, uh, you know, among all the things you grow, one particular... Oh, how can you dump that? <laughs> Your yeah. cash crop, you can't. You cannot. You can't. You can't. Which one gives you the most profit, for instance? No, you can't. Yeah. You just have it's a, it's a um, supply and demand at the market. You can't just. I can grow that. I'm going to make a lot of money. You don't never think no, of that. So you grow a bit of everything. Yeah, you just try to but, grow the thing you know. But like, in the later years, we grew bigger crops, you know, like onions and squash. Yeah. Yeah. So All these you learn just working for your dad, nothing you learn from school. Eh? No, not that sort of thing. <laughs> no, no, you just you see other people. Practice what other people do, you just observe. do what you do. Yeah, in the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You can't. I mean, uh, there are, these are local crops that you grow for the local market. Are there any particular Chinese vegetables that you grow for yourself? Oh, we do grow a bit of bok choy and things like that, yeah. just for the house. Spring yeah. onion, oh, that's about all. Mm. Now wait a minute, your dad used to grow fu kwa. Oh, that, that's Ceylon, yeah. And uh, kwa. You know. After he retired. Oh, now it's all uh, easily available in uh, Chinese supermarkets in uh, fu kwa, huh? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, mm, very expensive you, you though. You can get any sort yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we too busy for that sort of... Ten, twelve dollars a kilo. Oh yeah, they yeah. put it... <laughs> Pricey now. Yeah, we used to yeah. grow it, but long time ago. Mm. So, so you you have a, a Maori 
local Maori for to help you during the harvesting, harvesting time. Yeah, uh. yeah, we had two or three working fires for 20 years. Mm. Mm. When, was, when was the busy harvesting time? Harvesting time be about February, March, mm. April. That's the onion, squash, potato time. And uh, most of the the produce that you the, grow, you you send it for auction with yeah diners? yeah go for auction. Mm, that's in the early days. In the early days, but they've Not, done away with. There's the no auction now. They just pay you what they think it's worth. And, and finally, in this recently recorded interview, we hear from Mary Thompson about her own and the wider far known contribution to working in the market gardens and income that helped pay for school costs. Did you yeah. work on the garden yourself? Yes, yes, I worked in the gardens. After school, sometimes before school, but we had to make sure that we were home in time to. And I'm going to say this, even though we had been out working in the garden, we still went off to school. And even though we had been working in the garden, we had to make sure that the chores in the house was done before we went off to school. You had to help out and do our share. But I've never regretted working in those gardens and learning to do my part in the home. Did you get pocket money? There was our money. What money we earned became our money and our money paid for our books in the high school and also for our help to pay for our school uniforms even though there was a benefit or for each child. I think they used to say 10 shillings a child. To find out more about Franklin Local History go to Kura Heritage Collections online or visit us at the library in Pukakawi.